All right, if you could stand, please. And let's look at God's Word this morning. Okay. If you go to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 21. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 21, all the way in the Old Testament. And when you get there, I'm going to give you another passage. You go to Acts chapter 17. And there was a lot of tasks this morning. <laughs> Acts, uh, uh, Acts 17, 20, uh, 27. We're going to read from these two passages. Look what it says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. It says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now go to Acts 17, chapter, uh, I mean, chapter 17, verse 27. Then they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And certain also of our own, poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we are not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, Griven by art of man's device. And the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. I just pray, Father, as we continue to look at the mind, I pray, Father, help us to open our minds this morning to the preaching of your word. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here that never received Jesus Christ, as their personal Savior. I pray, Father, they will open their minds this morning in their hearts, and it will let you in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we continue to go to this uh, uh, theme. I mean, we're looking at refocus. That's our theme for the year. Uh, we are to refocus our minds, and uh, it's not by mistake that I actually come with these messages on the mind. I think the mind is to be thought, and sometimes we need to open our minds. We live in a world today, believe it or not, that they're called Christians, closed-minded people. So if you're a Christian here this morning, that's how they call you, a closed-minded person. You are, to, you are out of date, they say. You're old-fashioned, you're old-thinking. You've got to be with the pace of time. I heard all that. I mean, it's been directed to me many times. And I say to them, I said, well, the problem is your mind is closed and mine is open. Anything is the other way around. But we, that's where they categorize us. Dangerous people we are. So, society is full of many thinkers, right? Full of many thinkers. And some people are great thinkers. We have bright minds in our world, really bright minds. If you don't believe me, just take a ride downtown Providence today after church and look at the buildings. Look at the minds of people that created those buildings. Not just the people that built it, but those who designed it. Those who made sure that those structures will go up and won't collapse down. Look at the bridges. Look at the highways. Look at the housings. That's bright minds, people that really thought about it. What about medicine? What about health care? I mean, you know, how far we have become. People continue to think. So God gave us a mind to think, right? God gave us a mind to think. And we ought to think. Don't ever come to a point in your life and say, I learn it all. I don't need to learn anymore. That is a mistake. We continue to think, continue, we continue to learn with this mind as ours as long as, as we live. I never arrived yet. I don't think I will ever do. You know, sometimes it amazes me how people say something. I could have never thought of that. <laughs> so anyway, so many people spend their days thinking. 
You know, sometimes people say something, you say, you go, wow, do you have time to think that way? It impresses you, right? So, so that these type of people fill our world with, uh, with all kinds of thinking. But there's a lot of thinking that is also uh, we have to be careful about because there's a lot of fairy tales out there, make-believe stories that we can get sucked into it and become to believe. So be careful what you hear because there's a lot of crooked minds in our world. They have agendas. They have things that they want to accomplish and they will drag you into it. So be careful with it because they are out there. Test, the Bible says. Test those things. Make sure they're true before we actually share with others. So because we live in a very intellectual world today, so to speak, a very smart world, I don't think that is that true because there's a lot of, I'm sorry, dumb ones out there, but, you know, I have to say it this way. So many of them, uh, because successful and careers, they think they're the smartest people, but nothing is uh, uh, new, folks. In every generation, there are uh, those types of people who have great brains, who are great thinkers, who succeed greatly in life, but the sad part is, is this, is that the, uh, many of them are rich towards man, but listen to this, but very poor towards God. They're very rich towards man. Men say, look, why? They applaud them. They say, wow, isn't that? And they're great to society, but it, when it comes to God, they're very poor. They don't know nothing about God. They don't know the God that created them because they think they created themselves. They don't know the God that allows them to live because they think they live because it's out of their own efforts. Now, nothing different here. The same was going on in Paul's, day, Paul's time. Paul's standing Mars Hill and faces some of the great thinkers of his day, of that era, of, the, of his day. So now Paul now begins to challenge the minds of those gathered there at Mars Hill. One thing that I, I have experienced is that it is always great when you talk with people who actually are open-minded. I love to talk with people, an unsaved person who is literally, and if he comes to you and asks you a question, even about the Lord, and they're open-minded enough to talk with you back and forth. Because some people are like this. They think they're open-minded, but they're not. They ask you a question, and you try to give them an answer, and they already ask you 20 questions after the first question. And you say, one minute, let me answer the first question. Let's have a, let's talk here, let's communicate. Listen, I believe in communication. I do. So it is wonderful when we have people with open minds on which we can sit down and talk and, and share our minds with each other. I love to talk about Jesus when I talk with a lost person and is willing to listen and to talk back and forth because sometimes they make really great, give you some great questions. Obviously, they are thinking. So Paul now began to challenge the minds of those getting in DMR's heel. One thing that I, like I said, I believe is that is I love to talk with people with open minds. So especially when it's about, let's say, the things of the Lord. It's like having a door half open. You know, when you talk with people who are lost. And now you want the other half just to open wide. So you can come in and just say, let me talk freely with, with you about the Lord. So some people's minds are so closed that they don't matter how much you try to open. They just don't open. They're locked up and they don't open their minds. Some others have their door half open, and, and is, and which is a, a great opportunity for us to talk to them about the Lord. So the people on Mars Hill, that day, were open-minded to the pluralistic thinking of the day, but not to God. Isn't that our society, folks? If that's a society, they're open-minded to every wicked thing in our society, but when it comes to God, don't go there. Did you see the picture this week in the news? That's exactly what I'm talking about. They're open-minded to wickedness, but when it comes to God, they hateful words. I saw things going up this week on people protesting and wicked statements that were put up. Who's close-minded here? Are we the Christians close-minded or the lost are close-minded? So you see, look what it says in, in verse 29 of Acts 17. It says, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we are not to think that the Godhead is like gold and silver and stone, driven by art and man's device. 
God was not created by man, neither man can create God. God has always been. That's the problem of society. Many people do not believe that. Many our society, the pluralistic society, thinks that we created ourselves. Really? You see, those people were open-minded, but their mind were open to anything. And folks, that is the dangerous is a dangerous place to be. Isn't that the th- the thinking of our day? It don't matter what you believe in; everything is okay. It don't matter what uh, what God you worship. Doesn't matter. That's okay. It don't matter what church you belong to. That is okay too. It don't matter what denomination you belong to. That is okay. No, it's not okay. Listen, if you go to a place and where the word of God is not open and is not proclaimed, you should think about: Is this a a, a God honoring church or just a man honoring church? Ask that question to yourself. You have a mind to think. God gave you a mind, so you need to think. We need to think for ourselves. Don't let people think for you. You follow that? God gives you each one of us a mind to think for ourselves and, and, and make questions. Is this a God-honoring church or this is a, a man-honoring church? Be careful with that. They're thinking about God. Well, uh, uh, so, I'm sorry. So that, uh, that wrong thing is a result of our sinful nature. Not only we are born sinners, of course, but we are... Uh, but we have a sinful nature within us, even though mo- most of us are saviors. So those people needed to change their thinking. And Paul is using the opportunity here to try to help them. So let's look at this from several uh, points this morning. A changed mind. You know, for those of us who are saved, we have a changed mind. Number one, Paul's present, uh, Paul presents them a living God. Now, before you got saved, your thinking about God was different than you think of our God now, about God now. Isn't that true? God for you was the man upstairs. It was some whatever, how you think about it. But now that you saved, that you met God, you think totally different about who God is. Why is that? Because your mind has been changed. You follow that? Your mind has been changed. You allow God to change your mind. And actually, after you get saved, and after you, God changes your mind, you begin to look at the world differently than you ever looked before. Right. You don't think the same way. You view things differently. That's why people say to you, go, well, I don't understand how you think. It seems like you, you old-fashioned, you close-minded. Oh, you got to think. you got to go with, with, the, with the age of, of what we are in. They don't understand. They're the ones who have a closed mind. Because they look at the world from a world perspective, from a humanistic perspective. And we look at the world now from a godly perspective. We look at the world from a biblical perspective. So Paul presents them a living God. Look at verse 29. I already read this verse. But it says, for as much then as we are the offspring of God. How you are the offspring of God? You've been saved. You are a child of God. So Paul, Paul travels to Athens, Greece, and once there, his heart was broken. The whole city was given to idolatry. Now, folks, if you look, you live close to a city, about two minutes from a city. When you look at Providence, that is a biblical name right there. The Providence of God. Let me tell you, when you look at Providence from a biblical perspective, doesn't your heart cry out to God? Idolatry on every side. Pride parades. Can you imagine that? Roger Williams probably is rolling in the grave these days. A city that was built on, on, on God's perspective. And you know what? That's what we see. So Paul, look at Athens, Greece. When he got there, his heart was broken for what he saw, idolatry in every place. Isn't that what we see? Men are lovers of self more than lovers of God these days. Honest. Oh, be quiet. <laughs> so the whole city was given to idolatry. I lost my spot because of this thing. <laughs> so all the people of the city were worshiping false gods, but God did not shrink his shoulders and walk, I mean, I'm sorry, Paul did not shrink his shoulders and walk away. And, and like, you know, we shouldn't do that and say, well, whatever, you want to go to hell, go. No, we should never think that way. Did you ever pray for your city? 
Honestly, did you ever pray for the city of Providence and say, Lord, may we see souls getting saved. May we see people going there and, and tell people about the Lord. You see, it's, it's, listen, we say, well, I can't wait. Listen, it's our command. We are commanded to go and reach. What else were we doing in this world? We have to understand something here as the children of God. If you sit here this morning, you are a soldier of the cross. God calls you for more than just get saved, to be active, serving Him. When Jesus left earth, He gave a commission to His disciples. What did they do? Did they sit down and felt sorry for themselves? They did not. They went out throughout the world and proclaimed that gospel that they believed to be true. So pray for your city because there's a lot of idolatry in your city where we, where we live. It is a, a lot of idolatry. And Paul had the same problem right here. He didn't shrink his shoulders. He didn't walk away. He went right at it. Paul used the opportunity to point them to the living God. He saw the state of the city. He saw the spiritual condition of the people. And all of that drove Paul to stand on Mars Hill and speak about the living God and what he could do in the lives of those people. You see, the problem is, of our society, they don't understand what God can do for them and in them. They, I mean, they have a notion that, oh, church is boring. You know, passes what they want is money. And, and you know, who gives them that, that picture like that? Obviously, TV didn't do good. But let me tell you, that's not what church is about. I mean, it's exciting to serve God. I don't know about you. I've been serving Him for almost 25 years. I didn't, I didn't get tired yet. Pat Him behind me, and I see how you're going to be joyful. Because that's how it's going to be. You know, so like Paul stood, like, actually, look at verse 22. And it says, Then Paul stood in the, in the midst of Mars Hill and said, He men of Athens, I have perceived that in all things ye are too superstitious. Wow, what a word. Look what it says. For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription of the, to, uh, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. He said, you have this, this superscription right here, this, this unknown God. Let me share him to you. That's what people need to know. You know, people are religious around us. They heard about Jesus. They heard about God. But then I have no clue what God is about. You know what? Use the opportunity and tell them about Jesus. You know what? Because opportunities are given to us for us to talk about. So the sad thing about these people, reaction in the same, in, is the same that we see in our day to day. They, they thought that they were okay with their gods. And in reality, they did not. They need, they, they, they need, they need to add the God of truth to, the, to their collection there. Folks, how many times we speak for, up for Jesus and the answer is, I'm all set. I'm okay. I don't have time for this. I have a man one time. I was having my questionnaire. I, 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 I created that. And I, go from, I was going from door to door. The thing is that that takes a long time. But you know what? I did it. And this man, I said to him, I, said, I asked him this question to him. And this man, it was a religious man. He told me the name of the church he was going. Because that's the, the way the questionnaire goes. And that question comes about, who is Jesus to you? You know what he said? That was his answer. He was a lunatic. And that's what I said to him. I said, what? That's what, exactly what I asked him. What? It took me off balance. I didn't expect that. And this is a religious man giving me that answer. And Paul uses the opportunity to tell these men about who this unknown God is. question is, why most people seem to answer spiritual questions almost the same on every age? A man in his natural state or lost condition doesn't have much discernment about his sinful condition and, in, and the need of a Savior. It is, it is, he is spiritually dead. He is spiritually blind to the truth. So now, a man in his natural sinful state does, does sinful things. It is our obligation as the children of God to go and tell them the truth. They need to open their minds to the things who are spiritual so they can, they can know the God of the Bible. Tell you that. Let me put it this way. The prophet Isaiah experienced that. He thought that he was doing okay. He was a prophet of the Lord after all. But let's look at his response when he met God. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. And let's look at verse 1. 
So I think when we meet God's and see who He is, I think our thinking changes, our mind process changes, because Isaiah the prophet right here, when he met God, look at his answer. Isaiah chapter 6, look what he says. In the year of the king Uzziah, that king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting up, uh, uh, sitting up on a throne high and lifted up, and his train lift filled the te- uh, strain filled the temple. So who saw the Lord? Isaiah. So above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and twain he covered his face, and twain uh, he covered his, uh, his feet, and twain he did fly. So he's describing what he's seeing. And he says, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved, and the, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, okay, before I quote the last verses, we see here Isaiah the prophet as a vision of the Lord. And he describes to us what he's seeing. Now he looks at his condition before God. Look what he says. Then I said, woe is me, for I am undone because I am man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see that? When we see God for who He is, we see who we are. We don't create ourselves. He did. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the God of all creation. And I think that's the problem of our society. They don't know who God is. And when Paul stood on Mars Hill, he was talking to people that didn't know who God was as well. We live in a society that don't know God at all. You know what? We need to go tell them. So letter A, he rules over lifeless gods. A rules of lifeless gods. Look, it says, in, I see verse 29. I'm not going to keep quoting that verse. But anyway, for sure the altars of Mars Hill were beautiful, carved at the dawn, but they had all the things in common. Listen, folks, how many beautiful statues some churches have, gorgeous things made by the hands of whom? Men. And you know what? And people bow down and worship it. You say, well, you're offending me. Listen, they are made by the hands of men. And they worship something that has no life. We must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now worship something that is dead. You say, well, I worship something that reminds me of God. First of all, we don't know how God looks like. And if you worship, if, if it's in, in a, so, so to speak, in a Christian uh, religion, when we worship one of those statues, is that they reflect Italian re- Renaissance, because that's what we reflect. Jesus looks like an Italian man, and Jesus has long hair, which is a disgrace. All right? Read the Bible, and you see that. The Lord didn't have long hair. He was a high priest. He couldn't have long hair. He would break the law of God. He couldn't do that. He came to fulfill the law, not to break the law. You see that? When you look at those things, it's unbiblical. So, you see, these, these people were worshiping a whole bunch of gods. They say, well, today a lot of people don't worship those things. Yes, they do. They still do one. And you know what? There's all other gods besides that. So, you see, man was driven to worship, and everybody are worshiping something. Everybody in this world had their own made-up God in their own minds. We're talking about the mind here. So, unfortunately, nothing has changed for so many people since then. Uh, there are still many people in our world who pay great devotion and worship on a regular basis to the gods of stone, so straw, clay, made by the hands of men. Those are the gods who don't hear, don't speak, and don't feel. Look what Jeremiah 10.10 10 says. But the, Lord, the, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and everything, an, everla- an everlasting king. And his wrath, and, and his wrath the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide uh, his indignation. So the gods of this world offer no hope. Let me put it this way. Most of those people are worshiping those things with a sincere heart. They do it with a sincere heart. They think they're, they're doing truthfully with honesty, but you know what? They are wrong. Biblically speaking, they are wrong. 
Many are looking for peace, joy, fulfillment, and contentment, but still it will never be found in stone statues of, of gold figurines out there. Let it be the reality of a living God. We see this in verse 18. Folks, we are living in a strange age, an age of unchurched people, an age of, of a large number of people that continues to grow and do not go to church. They don't see no value in God's house. They don't see no value of reading your Bible. They don't see no value of going to a church and worship. They don't see no value on that. Their parents didn't go to church. They themselves don't go to church. And their kids don't go to church. And when it comes to the truth about the existence of God, many of them shrink their shoulders in disbelief of the existence of God. But this is nothing new. This was true in Paul's days as well. Look at verse 18. It says, Then certain philosophers, look what it says in the middle of the verse, and, and, and look what it says, and, says and, sa and some said, What will this babbler say? Others, others some, and he seemed to be a, a setter uh, for to, of a strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So he said, what does Babylon say here? Let's listen to him. They were mocking him. So some may, uh, how many people in our days don't really believe in God, don't care about God, don't really think about God. Life is about them and what they can do and accomplish. That's what life is about. That's, they're, they're their own gods. To them, God is insignificant, next to nothing. To them, God is powerless. Actually, God is not even in their thinking at all. They wake up with profanity and go to battle with profanity. That's the way they live their lives, many of them. I, mean, I don't get this. I can't first thing in the morning, you walk on a cup of coffee, half asleep, going to work, and you're already cursing left and right. I don't know how people can do that. But I, I witness this every day. For one, the Lord is not going to change His ways. Listen to this. God is not going to change His Bible, His Word, to accommodate their thinking. You follow that? God is not going to change His Word. He's not going to rewrite the Bible to accommodate the thinking of our day. His Word is written and settled in heaven forever. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will stand forever. God's not going to change. God's not going to change. You know why? Because he wrote his word. We have to believe in what God said. You want to get saved? Listen to what God says. Can these people change their minds about God? Yes, they can. You changed your mind. I changed my mind. You know how life was for me before I got saved? Me, myself, and I. That was, that was my, li my living. Oh, that smiled alive. Yeah, I was having a good time. Me, myself, and I. I sometimes I was so callous and cold. Believe me, this is honest truth. My wife knows that. Somebody would get hurt and say, are you dead yet? And I would laugh to scorn. I am like, where in the world was my mind in those days? God have a sense of humor. But you know what? God changed your mind. God changed my mind. Can those people get changed? Yes, their mind can change. For one, the Lord is not going to change His ways, like I said. Neither will try to convince anyone of His existence. Listen, God is not going up to argue with people about His existence. You either believe or you reject it. God is not going to change it. God is not making arguments with people about who I am. We either believe by faith or we reject it. So can people change their mind? Yes, they can. General creation literally speaks of the existence of God. I shared this before. It was a guy, that worked, a guy that worked with me, very intellectual, very intelligent man, a young man around my age, and he challenged me to the bone. But he didn't believe in God. So one time I said to him, all right, come on, let's come with me. I shared this in here before. I said, all right, I didn't want to steal time from the company, so I clocked out. I said, you do the same. I don't care what you do. Let's go outside. And we went outside in the parking lot. He had no idea what I, what I was doing. I said, okay, all right, sit down. We sat down. So I look around. He didn't see it. I was seeing everything. I said, you didn't see it yet. I said, no. I said, look. Look at the grass. Look at the trees. Look at the skies. Look at the birds. What is that? Did you create it there? I tell you, folks, 
for a person that didn't believe in God, it got very quiet. I, let him, I, let, I left him in the parking lot and went back to work. I said, you put up with God with that. I said, if you have an answer for that, you come and see me. Then we're going to talk about something else. Can people change their mind about God? Yes, they can. Paul changes mind about God. Thomas changes mind about God. Nicodemus changes mind about God. And through the ages, many people have changed their minds about God. You have changed your mind about God. I have changed my mind about God. Get this. No one runs solo in this journey of life. Everyone believes in something or someone. Everyone has the type of God in their hearts. You ever heard people saying, my God will never do that? What kind of God is that? Some people invent their own gods in their own hearts. They either have the living God in their hearts or they have one, some type of God that they either have fabricated with their own minds or they might have a God that they were introduced to by, on their childhood by someone else, probably by their parents. So I think it's safe to say that God, uh, a trusting God, who can deliver you from your sin. I hope that you are trusting the living God this morning. He will... Uh, there are many gods out there. There's the gods of money out there. There's the god of power out there. There's the god of selfishness out there. There's many gods out there that people believe in. But there's one true god. It's called a, the living god. So number one, Paul presents them a living god. Number two, Paul presents them a suffering god. Look at verse 30. And the times of his ignorance... And, and I'm sorry, and the times of his ignorance God winked at, but God commanded all men everywhere to repent. You know, I have a problem about salvation without repentance. That's what it says right here. God commanded everywhere for people to repent. You know, this one, two, three, you save, just pray without asking God to forgive you of your wrong. I wonder where that goes. Because throughout the Bible, we see this word repent of your sin. Right here. Says this. So, what, we, how, what do you do to get saved? It's a change of mind. You begin to stop thinking the way you do and thinking differently. You know what? You admit that you are a sinner. What does that mean? You have breaking God's law. You have a sinful nature. You do wrong. You lie. You steal. You connive. You, you gossip. All these things are sin against God. And now you ask God to forgive you all those sins. And He forgives you, the Bible says. He doesn't say, I think about it. Wait until tomorrow. Let me sleep on it. God says, I'll forgive you if you ask me with a sincere heart. So Paul stands on Mars Hills here and speaks to those thinkers of a God who was much different than the ones they were used to worship. Those people were used to worship gods who had to be appeased at the same time. Paul presents a God who was totally different. God was a God of a long... He presents a long-suffering God towards them. Isn't God a long-suffering God? Isn't He long-suffering towards me and you? I'll tell you why. I praise the Lord for His long-suffering because a lot of times I disappoint Him. I do. God's a long-suffering God. It's been said that long-suffering means suffering long. That is a good answer, but a better definition is needed. The word long-suffering in the Bible is made of two Greek words, meaning long and temperate, literally long-temperate. To be long-suffering then is to have a self-restraint when it, uh, one is uh, 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 stirred to anger. So God can look at us and be angry about what we're doing, but He is long-suffering toward us. He understands our weakness. He understands what, what, who we are, and He's long-suffering. He's, he's allowing us to repent and come back to Him. The prodigal son was this way. He left home. He went against his father's will. Where was the father? Long-suffering, waiting for his son to return home. And when he came home, God didn't say, I told you so, boy. You didn't, shouldn't, shouldn't do that. You know what? He embraced him and kissed him. Isn't that awesome sometimes? How many times we walk away from home? Don't you glad you can come home and God is there to embrace you and love you? That's a long-suffering God. That's the reason why Lamentation said his mercies are new every morning. He said, Lord, I failed you again. And he says, child... I get more mercies for you tomorrow morning. 
When you wake up in the morning, the birds are going to be singing. Even if it's a cloudy day, I have mercies for you in store. Ain't God good? God is wonderful. See, a long-suffering person does not immediately retaliate or punish. Rather, he has a long fuse and patiently forbears. Long-suffering is associated with mercy and hope. It does not surrender to circumstances uh, uh, or trials. So, like God is the, is the source of long-suffering because it's part, of, it's part of his character. I can give you a slew of verses on that. He's, he's patient with sinners. He's patient with you and me. The Bible says it's, not by, it's by His mercy that He's not consumed us. When God look at the wickedness of this world, of these bright minds of our world, and God, why God does not consume them? Because God is, God is a merciful God, a long-suffering God, and God wants them to be saved. You watch that movie about uh, the lady, I think if you didn't watch, I, th- I forgot the name, I think um, Unplugged, is that Unplugged, the name of the movie, uh, on which this lady came from college, went straight to abortion clinic, and she thought she was doing right for many years, until, bing, his mind woke up, and she became a great spokesman against that. She was sued by them after that. She found herself in the wrong end, or in the right end, but she find, found the reality of it, I'll tell you what, he is patient with sinners. At the same time, God's long suffering come to, to an end, come to, come to an end sometimes. What about Sodom and Gomorrah? What happened there? God's patience ran out. And God said, enough. God brings judgment when his patience ran out. Isn't that what we do with our children when we raise our children? We patiently teach them to a point enough. Okay, child, that is enough. God is the same way. Letter A, we see a God of compassion. Verse 30 says, And the times of his ignorance, God winked at. So uh, God could have made all of those altars in Mars Hill just fall over. The God Dagon had a little trouble staying on his feet back in the Old Testament, and God could do the same thing to these gods. But we see the mercy of God, the compassion of God towards these men. As you see in a verse of, in Lamentations right here, our God is a long-suffering God. Think how our lives would be affected if long-suffering would, wouldn't be exhibited by our God. But God's a long-suffering. He wants to, he, He's patient towards us because He knows our weakness. Let it be, we see God, a God of change. Aren't you glad that God is a God, is a God of second chances? Aren't you glad of that? We say everybody deserves a second chance. I believe that. Don't you believe that? Some people say, oh, people never change. People change. People do change. People think, people think different. They change. You know what? Praise the Lord for that he's a God of second, not only second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances, and so on. It's been said the average person hears the gospel 40 times before he gets saved. Some people hurts more than that. Can you imagine hear the gospel 40 times? Look how patient and merciful God is. I know a man in our church that heard the gospel for 20 years. And in the end of 20 years, he finally opened his mind and his heart to God. And he finally said, he came up, and the pastor, you even thought he was saved. And the pastor said, brother, you come for praying. And he knows, I need to be saved. That was a sobering day in the church. So what a patient God we serve. Look what it says in Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. God is so, so unlike us. We are not very quick to give someone a second chance, much less a third and fourth chance. If you and I were God's, Heaven more than likely will be empty. You get that? If we were gods, we probably heaven will be more, more, more than likely will be empty. Oh, you, pssst. oh, you, pssst. we will use that pssst all the time because we're not very patient. We're not very merciful sometimes. We're not very compassionate sometimes. But God has all those qualities. 
How many times do you say, that's it, I'll never forgive you again. That's it, I am done with that person. That's, you know, we say that all the time when we are uh, aggravated with people. That's not God. God says, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. And I'm going to stand here and wait. Look what it says in Micah chapter 7, verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. When I fall, I shall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to, to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So the long-suffering God ought to be enough to change one's mind. Our God is a living God and a long-suffering God. That was the God that Paul tried to preach to those people at Mars Hill. And that's the same God that we try to proclaim today to our world. We, all of us here, have a responsibility towards our society to tell them about a living God. You go places I don't go, I go places that you don't go. And it's a responsibility that we have to tell them about Jesus. So number three, our last point here, Paul presents them as a lawful God. Look what it says in verse 3. In the times of his ignorance, God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Get this. In order for any of us to understand God, there must be a change of mind. And that is a problem of many people. They want a loving God. They don't want a God of justice. That's the problem of many people. My God will never do this. My God will never say that. You know what? What God stands for, God stands for. He's not going to change his mind. We can twist it as much as we want. We can say it's okay. You know what God says? It's not okay. Folks, I don't care what people say. I don't care how much laws they try to pass. Abortion is wrong and always going to be wrong. Amen. That's the God of the Bible. You say, well, I can't believe you worship a God that, like this in the times that we live in. Yes, I will and I will die serving Him. Listen to me. I say, so, well, okay, so... My body, my choice. What about the body of the young person that is inside of you? Is their body their choice as well? Who gave you the authority to take somebody's life? That's what it comes down to. I know. They might put me on Facebook jail because of this, but you know what? I proclaim it. I don't care. You know? What are people calling you today when you present Jesus to them? A lunatic? A closed-minded people, a babbler like they call Paul? Do they call you a closed-minded, old-fashioned, out-of-date, unkind, rude? Folks, there got to be a moment in time on which you must change your mind about God. Who is God to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he a lunatic or he is the God of heaven? Who is he? If we're going to talk about the mind, that's where it starts. Does God love me? Does God doesn't love me? God help me, guide me, provide for me, and takes care of me. He's been doing that all my life. Letter A, a call to repentance. Look at there, verse 30. So God is patient, long-suffering. But the question of any wise mind would be, for how long? Follow that? God gave us a mind to think. If God is a God of long-suffering, God of mercy, how long is God going to be like that? Folks, some people die at 90, some people die at 80, some people die at 10, some people die at 5, some people die babies. I tell you what, God gives a link of time to people. And in that link of time is what that person needs to do. Change their mind towards God. And accept Jesus as their Savior. Because if they don't do that, according to the Bible, they are on the losing side. They're not going to see heaven. They're going to see hell. You see, how you know the Bible teaches so? A call to repentance. It's not a, you should, maybe you so. It's commanded for all men to repent. It is a order by God. If you want to come to my heaven, you have to repent of your wrong. God is very open about that. There's no changing on that. 
Oh, come as you are. Uh, just, you know, just accept Jesus as you should. But don't repent of your sin. God says, you must repent. Notice this is not a suggestion, but a command. And it's for all men everywhere. It's not just for the reprobate, but for the religious folks as well. It's not for those who sit, just sit in prison, for those who are murdered, but for everyone. I'll tell you what, how many people sit in churches and they're lost as gooses? It's not about being good and religious, it's about having a changed mind towards Jesus. The thinkers of Paul's day in Mars Hill were religious people who worshipped all types of different gods, but Paul told them that they were wrong. Their minds needed to be changed. They needed to meet the unknown God. Well, that's the problem of our society this morning. I'm a good person. I don't kill anyone. I don't steal. I don't do this. I'm a, very, I'm a nice person. I think I deserve to go to heaven. Isn't that what you hear? I deserve to go to heaven. I say, okay, so you deserve to go to a place that's not yours. That's what it comes down to. Heaven belongs to God. It's his, it's his dwelling place. No, you deserve to go to a place that's not yours. So you're going to say, God, move up because I'm moving in. That's what it comes down to. Reality. If we think about it, God, move out because I'm moving in. That's not the way it is. It's his place. It's his dwelling place. And he tells us specifically, if you want to go there and dwell with him, it's the way you have to do it. There is a way for you to do it. Otherwise, you and I never make it there. Get this. Ever since the first sin, man has followed Adam's example of blaming his sin on others than actually admitting their own sin. I was telling the kids this morning, we were talking about integrity. Integrity is this. I did it. It's my fault. We live up to our mistakes, and, I, and we have a responsibility to say, with honesty, I did it. No, we live in a society that says this. I didn't do that. He did I, I, I'm in this situation because them. It's never me. It's always them. It's their fault. See, if I'm going to blame my faults on others, how in the world can I get to heaven when God says you must repent? So we have some religion that pray for the sins of others. You pee. That's wonderful. So sin is not judged by the way we see it, but by the way God sees it. Sin is not uh, on the judgment stand here. The sinner is. You follow that? God is not, is not speaking to the sin. He's speaking to the sinner. He's commanding the sinner to repent. The problem is not in the, the, the deed of sin. It's in the doer of the deed. Sin isn't going to change, but the sinner must change. You follow that? I hope you can understand what I'm saying. It says, repent therefore, and this day... Uh, wicked, I'm sorry, uh, uh, of this, this wickedness and pray to God. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. You see over and over in the Bible about repent. So what, is, well, what about if I don't want to change? What about if I don't want to repent? What about if I want to die the way I want to die? Well, you won't see heaven. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Actually, you can go there. We're almost done. Revelation 21, 8. Look what God says. That's Jesus speaking. Very clear what God says. This goes to our society. I think we can put our society in this verse. Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, 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 I'm sorry, and murders and homongers. You know what that word means? And homongers and sorcerers and idolaters. And look what it says. And all liars. It's right there. Shall have their part. In the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, this is the second death. You know what that lake is? Hell. That's what that place is. And you hope that the reality that we can see that we must have a change of mind if we want to get to heaven. Paul stands on Mars Hill and tries to put that in those people's minds. Let it be a challenge to revolutionize. A challenge to revolutionize. Too often many men change his actions when he gets caught in his sin. You see that on TV? Oh, our politicians are great on that. Our popular people, when they get caught, oh, they feel so sorry for themselves. But it's just an outward expression because they got caught. 
If their heart really changed, they really feel sad about, bad about themselves, many times they don't. It's just a show. Look for God. You look, he got caught in a sin. What about before that? He was living at large. In fact, the most people today is not sin is not sin anymore. Everyone is doing right in their own eyes. They even say, who are you to tell me I'm wrong? They challenge you to the bone. I say to people, I'm not going to tell you wrong. God says you're wrong. Put up with him. That's a good way to put, to put up an argument. I'm not going to say you're wrong. God says you're wrong. And I even go out of the way, hey, Lord, is he wrong? I can't do that. I do that. (laughs) Listen, folks, God created us with a free will to choose. God created you with a mind to think. God created you with a mind to make decisions. What are you going to do about Jesus today? You can even put him in the center of your life and believe that the God of the Bible is a God of integrity and truth. Or you can just outright reject him. But he's got to be a changed mind or a changing of mind. And I'll tell you what, God does not suggest that you have to change your mind. God commands you to change your mind. It's a must. If you want to see heaven when you die, you must change your mind. God is not going to change his words, his opinion, his ways to accommodate you or somebody else. His word stands forever, and his word stands, and he will judge by his word. You know, folks, through the ages, many great minds have lived in this planet. I wonder many of those, those minds are in heaven today. I just wonder. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for those of us who are saved here today who have changed their minds towards you. Lord, you became our everything. Lord, we look at the world from a different perspective because now we understand what this world is about. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here today or someone on social media, Lord, they may maybe never open their minds to you like those people on Mars Hill. Lord, may they...